Welcome to Next Stop, Sarda's podcast where we talk all things Sarda and learn a little bit more about transit. Today, we're going to talk about capital projects. We have Clayton Popic with us. Um, he'll tell us a little bit about what his job is and what he's doing at Sarda. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media channels at Sarda Online and on our YouTube channel at Ride Sarda. Clayton, can you tell us a little bit about your history in transit and then what you do? Yeah. So uh, my name is Clayton. I'm the Director of Development and Special Projects um, at Sarda. It is a new position. Um, I stepped into the role about two years ago. Um, like you said, I oversee all the capital construction projects, things that we have going on at, at Sarda. Wayne County Transit, our role in that, I, I I oversee that and work with Community Action out there. I came to this role after 17 years at PARTA, which is Portage County's uh, bus service. I started out there as a student driver, worked my way up through operations and planning. I did all of their service planning, scheduling, and route work there. And I guess one of the things that interested me about this position is it was like an entirely different world of planning. I get to be a part of construction management, overseeing uh, SARTA's new Maslin Transit Center, the gateway expansion project, which included basically opening up our property to about 10 additional acres, expanded parking, expanded administrative building. What else do we do back there? Don't we have a training pad too? Did a training pad. Oh yeah, you're right. The training pad incorporated more of a park-like setting for our employees back there with a walking path and lots of landscaping. And then like I said, the special projects part of it is overseeing things like Wayne County Transit, Title VI administration. I usually try to help out with any ADA evaluation as far as service changes go and ensure that we're in compliance with all of that. Procurement plays a big role in what I do because the projects are so big. I, I work closely with our finance department and the procurement admi- administrator um, to ensure that we're spending our funds as appropriately, legally. There's so many things to do when you're spending federal and state money. We just have to make sure, like I said, again, it's a compliance thing and making sure that we're doing everything and acting in the, the public's best interest when we're, when we're spending that money. Wow. You do a lot. <laughs> it can feel that way some days, yeah. No, I was really excited to talk with you because we were side by side, of, or we'll work together every day. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't know all the things that you do with the company. So can you talk to me a little bit about that Maslin project? Yeah. And what went into that? Uh, so two years ago, uh, we had to vacate the our former Maslin uh, Transit Center uh, uh, with uh, right behind the hotel um, in downtown Maslin. We were able to locate a property a couple blocks away, so we're still in the heart of downtown. We quickly set up a temporary site, uh, using a construction trailer for our drivers to be able to take a break in, uh, four shelters for the passengers, even did a temporary restroom facility. So trying to make things as comfortable as possible in the meantime while the building's finished. Once finished, the building is 5,500 square feet. It's going to have restrooms, customer service, ticketing, vending options. It'll be a nice, comfortable spot for people looking to, to transfer their transfer routes. It'll be a great spot for the the drivers who work out in that area as well to be able to get in and, and get something to eat, take their breaks. The cool thing about it is the building construction started earlier this year and even halfway through construction, I think the building looks great. I, I think it's coming along nicely. It's a great yeah. addition there along 
uh, 21. Um, it, it can be seen from both directions. I get comments from uh, friends who are traveling the highway um, yeah. that, that were that whole stretch there of Tommy Henrik Drive had a lot of nice additions to it. And I think we're just going to, we're, we're just now going to be the cap to that. And it's going to look great. Yeah. I was at a senior fair uh, a couple of days ago and a lady raved about how nice it is already. She said, I can't believe how nice your guys' building yeah. looks and it's not even done. I got excited. I walked up to it the other day and I think I'm actually going to go check it out um, after this podcast because I heard the glasses going up. Yeah. Aesthetically, I think it's got a great mix of masonry, steel, and glass. And I think it's going to give it a nice industrial, really a timeless look too. Yeah. So while it'll have kind of a modern twist to it, I think it'll blend in really well with some of the older architecture of downtown Maslin. But when I went out there a couple of weeks ago, they'd even started some landscaping. Landscaping wasn't even supposed to come until next spring. But nice. as, they, as the construction kind of moved away from certain areas of the property, the landscaper decided to come in and and start doing some of his work. So it's, again, in the middle of construction, it's already starting to look like a cleaner property. Yeah. So exciting. That's good. Yeah. So two questions. That when I saw the layout, are we going to have an electric vehicle charging station there? Yes. So mm-hmm. adjacent to that, what will get built out next spring uh, once we can occupy the building and then tear out the, the temporary transit area. A 10-spot parking lot will get constructed on that part of the site and with that will be one dual port chargers. That, so there'll be room for charging up to, I think, two cars. Nice. Okay, that's good. So you said after occupancy. So when are we expecting that we might be able to occupy Should that? be in by January. And that's where we'll be able to use the building. Um, the buses will be able to get into the bus lane. Um, it'll We'll be able to operate pretty much as a transit center by, like I said, fingers crossed, January. I, I really hope maybe even sooner than that, uh, December maybe. But con- contractually, it's January. And as of right now, the building is on time. And then, like I said, that kicks off phase two where they'll be able to tear out the landing pad for the passengers and build that parking lot. I think it's going to be really nice. I know when we had to vacate that property in Maslin, people were very concerned about not having a transit center there and doing that. And I think this really shows that with a little bit of patience, you'll get something really nice at the yeah, end of it. Uh, I think this will be a lot a much better because it's a standalone facility than the previous transit center that we have. And I think that passengers will really like it and it'll be a nice space to go in and wait for the bus or transfer. I think it'll also be good for our employees as well to be able to work there if that's their permanent location or go when they have to bring the buses and stuff. I've seen it too. I've been out there. Haven't been out, I've only been out once, but the one time I went, I was just really amazed because it only looked at the, the plans. And so mm-hmm. it looks really nice. So I think it's going to be a really good addition. I agree with you and Maslin. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see it. Last time I was there, it was barely making ground. <laughs> yeah, so I'm yeah. so excited it, to uh, see it. Had a slow kickoff, but once once they were able to really get the construction underway, it's really taken a life of its own. Now. So I feel like that same thing about the administrative building. I feel like it was slow at first. We did like the pad, and now it's just yeah. taken off. Can you talk about the expansion sure. of Gateway, the whole process, the things we did, and what the end result supposed to look like, and kind of everything in between? So the gateway expansion was designed, it, it wrapped up design development just ahead of when I came to SARTA. Um, actually, one of my first tasks was to oversee the, I don't remember if it was pre-bid or if I actually, one of my first tasks was the helping out with the bid opening where we are, we had two contractors come in and you pick the one who, who gives the lowest bid and everything. 
And that was one of the first things I did for what we called the infrastructure project. So we took on roughly 10 acres of land surrounding us because Sarda had become landlocked. There was no more room for expansion. There's been a possible need for additional garage space. We knew that we needed admin space. We built out in all of the available space that we had on the existing property. So we were able to, like I said, pick up about 10 acres from various owners to the north of us. Between the city of Canton and Stark Housing, we were able to acquire that additional land that we needed. So the first part of the project that kind of seemed like it took a while and really you didn't really see much improvement was basically expanding our fence, incorporating all of that new land into um, Sarda's property, um, expanding the driveway. The other thing too that Sarda was facing was a safety issue. Um, There was no place to vacate the property should we have a, uh, some form of a disaster at the main gate. Um, there was no second form of egress from from the property. So we completed a driveway that go, wraps the entire property. We have a secondary gate going on to Robin Court now. We have a secondary gate coming around the building. So there's now we have options should something happen down the road. We gained parking spaces, the training pads, again, like I mentioned earlier, landscaping. We did all sorts of things to make that basically turn that property into ours. We had to relocate some utilities. Dominion actually had to come in and and move a high pressure gas line that used to be on what was our former property line and move that back to the new property line. So we could build out or or make use of the property without interfering with that, that gas line. So then once that project is still ongoing with a few last minute punch list items, but earlier this year, they were able to then begin the next part, which was the building itself. We knew we needed more administrative space. We did a 13,000 square foot. It's a standalone building essentially, but it's pushed up against the back of the garage. So it looks like an addition, but it's not. It's actually for all practical purposes, its own building. 13,000 square feet, 20 offices, handful of meeting space. And one thing I'm looking forward to is being able to host community events, other transit meetings. We now have space to bring people in and, and definitely show off what we do for the community. And for the greater part, what we do in Ohio in partnership with other transit yeah. agencies. And then there'll be a third part to that, which is renovating the current admin building so that it, it, it basically can function for the needs of those that are left in that to, to operate out of that building, which will mostly be operations and your department, Latrice. Make sure you give me a big, big, big office. It's, it's, it's gonna, when you, when you get 20 people out of the building, it's amazing how much bigger the building feels without really even having to do anything to it, except maybe move some walls inside. One part that I'm excited about is there's a tentative or not tentative, the plans that, that they've drawn up for us so far have a nice expansion for our driver's area. So I think it's going to look great and make when they're in between runs much more comfortable for them. Nice looking at some different type, types of vending options. We're going to probably put a, I'm going to work with HR and procurement to put a scope together for some new and improved vending solutions. And that'll probably kick off before the renovations start. So <laughs> it might get a little more cramped in the driver's area. But I think once it's all said and done, it's going to be great. I think overall, one thing that you, you deal with all these little projects over the course of just the two years that I've been there, 
one question always comes to my mind anyways is, oh my gosh, why didn't we just do a, a new facility if we're just, why are we fixing up and adding here and doing yeah. this? And honestly, all of this work that we've been doing over the last several years and what's going to extend into the next probably two to three more years saves us so much money than building a, an entirely new facility and re, actually relocating. But so SART is able to stay where they're at for a fraction of that cost yeah. by doing a little bit of a land acquisition, building a new administrative facility and renovating the current administrative facility. And then we can look what other improvements need made um, to the property. And that's ultimately, I think, one of the, the big tasks um, that we, we can benefit from that, having brought me on board, yeah, um, being able to focus on stuff like that. I agree. You've been a wonderful asset. Well, thank you. You're welcome. So I think one of the coolest things about the new building is that we all got to sign the beam oh, in yeah. the building. So it's going to be timeless. Our names will be in the building mm -hmm. forever. I wasn't a part of that. Sorry, Clayton, I forgot. Nina yes. shouldn't have known that we signed that. <laughs> I'll find, I'll find a spot. It. I'll find a spot in this building for you guys to sign uh, for those that are going to stay in the existing building after the renovations. Okay. Yeah, so I thought that, that was really. Fair. I thought that was really cool that they had the beam down there and they gave a couple of days. And Nina, again, I'm sorry, don't mean to make you. Upset. I didn't even know you signed it. I wasn't even in the office. I think they did that on purpose with you. I came back, Clayton. Excuse me, I missed the signing. But anyway, I thought that was cool to let us all who are there right now be a piece of the building. One of the things I did want to just asked you to expand on. And one of the things that I kind of work with you on is you talked about procurement and mm -hmm. how you work with procurement. I know that one of the challenges I would run into was the great chair debate um, and how I have 10 people working the same job. How do I find the right chair? Because I don't know about it. So you were really helpful in that. But talk about how you work with procurement, maybe the different vendors you have or resources you have exposure to working in that to help start it as a whole to get the most out of the money, but also get the right kind of furniture, which is what you helped me with, to find the right kind of chair for the people in the customer service position that doesn't just look pretty, but it actually functions properly for their jobs. So one thing that I've learned, and, and I definitely make sure that I do consistently, is rely on expert sources. So first thing for the chair debate, uh, for example, I went to our architecture and engineering firm that we work with, I went to them and said, hey, what do you have recommendations for furniture companies that I could reach out to? Because I knew I wanted something high quality. I didn't want to just find something offline. They recommended a couple places to look. Between that and doing some Googling, I finally landed on a company that had a chair that I knew would function well. Um, and I knew it had to be heavy duty. You've got, like you said, 10 people floating around the service area and they're all working on their own. They're, they all need to be comfortable. The chairs need to be, they need to be high quality because with that many people using one chair at any given time, that's a lot of strain versus say me who uses my, I'm the only one that really uses my chair. I know how I use it. I know basically you don't need what I would call like an everyday chair for someone like me. Like I said, I'm the only one using that chair. But when you add multiple people who are using the same chair, we want something a little more heavy duty. And like I said, stuff like that comes down to finding the experts on that. When it comes to procurement, then uh, the nice thing about working with our architecture and engineering firm is they're very familiar with the state and federal laws surrounding procurement. So they, they know when they do recommend stuff, they definitely recommend a vendor who would be fam equally familiar with 
those procedures as well. I do that with a lot of things. So beyond just the chairs and buildings themselves, anytime I have a question about what is going on with the construction, we also use what's called an at-risk firm as well. They basically play the role of the construction manager out in the field. I can spend more time coordinating multiple projects by utilizing construction management because they also provide things like quality assurance. They'll do inspections. They place a person out in the field at the construction site, and they're basically the eyes and ears for SARTA when it comes to how is that project moving along. All of that stuff comes back to what you'd ask about procurement, and it's a matter of there's different ways you can procure things as well. With the chairs, I got three quotes, ordered the chairs, moved forward. When it came to the buildings, we did an invitation for bid process where basically the firm or the contractor responds to our inquiry of, hey, we are going to build this building, here's the scope, and tell us how much that's going to cost. We already have the estimate in hand, so we know what that project should cost, and we can evaluate the bids based on that and then move forward. And there's other ways to procure things. You can procure things off of just a request for proposals. What we did with a marketing firm last year doing a customer surveying We didn't really, we knew we had a budget, but cost wasn't going to be the deciding factor. We wanted to see what you could do. Um, Next year, I'm going to have to get into uh, looking into um, re-procuring architecture and engineering as well as the construction management at at risk firm. Um, So we'll put out, I'll get with procurement, we'll put out an RFP and kind of get those proposals and qualifications back to evaluate and decide who would hold say like the next for example you can do a five-year contract with services like that and then their then their work is at our disposal and again circling back to what you'd originally asked i like to use them as the experts so where i need this problem solved where do you guys recommend i start looking to solve it yeah it's no with the chairs that was so helpful for me because i'm spinning my wheels and i'm like I don't know anything about chairs. So it was really helpful to be able to find something that I could say with confidence. We got experts to say, this is the best chair for this type of job and not, it was just Latrice's opinion, who knows nothing about chairs. So that was really helpful for me. So you talked about some other stuff you do outside of capital projects, like Title VI and Wayne County Transit. Just expand on what some of that is. So Wayne County Transit is a partnership endeavor. Sarda set out on that early it had been in talks many times over the course of the last 10 plus years. Finally moved forward with it and Sarda was able to help provide, start actually providing services in early 21, I believe, because I came on board at the end of 21 and it was one of the first things handed to me. So for over two years now, we have been the main provider of door-to-door, curb-to-curb, I should say, demand response services out there. It's open to the general public, 250 per trip, and we pretty much stay busy all day long. Uh, Wayne County Transit is what was branded. Uh, like I said, this is a partnership endeavor, though, between SARTA and Community Action. As we move forward, uh, we've done some strategic planning. We have finalized, we did finalize a planning document last year, which had recommendations. Uh, we work closely with the city of Worcester, as well as Wayne County commissioners, to ensure that funding is secured we act as the recipient. SARTA acts as the recipient of state funds to operate it. And then we're able to use some other transportation dollars out in Wayne County as, say, their local match. Worcester provides a level of transit service. Community Action provides everything outside of Worcester. 
and they utilize us as the provider for the most part. They've also secured a handful of other providers out there to do a couple different programs. We act as the open door, if you will, provider. And then looking to the future for Wayne County Transit, we are currently trying to write a scope out to do a procurement on on-demand or microtransit services. So getting a vendor who could provide maybe more of an Uber style out there and take some of that pressure off of us because we wrapped up 2021 having done a couple thousand trips and currently we're sitting at, I believe, right around 10,000, 11,000 for just this year alone. If ever in the numbers, I think that's yeah. very pretty close. I spend yeah. a lot of time in Wayne County. <laughs> it's Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. You yeah. and Jack go out there and, and help promote the service a lot. And it's a much needed service out there and it's awesome to be a part of. And I did not expect it to catch on as quickly as what it has. It has, there are some days where it's a scramble for us to even keep up with it. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to do one point of clarification. You said community action, Mm -hmm. but just to clarify for everybody who's listening, community, there's like community actions are all over. So this is which community action? Wayne Medina counties. Okay. We also have one in Stark County. I just wanted to make sure that people understood there was more than one. Yeah, no, that's definitely, yeah. So community action, Wayne Medina. Uh, they basically are contracted between both, I think, the city and the county to play that one door, a one point of entry for transit services out there. And then we, where we come into the picture then is, again, we're the recipient for state funds, state and federal funds. We provide the bulk of the service under the Wayne County Transit umbrella. And then... Like I said, also there's there are other there are some other smaller providers out there too that help fill in the gaps where we can't, and it's nice. And watching a transit system get a good kickoff the ground is it's been fun, but like I said, it can be stressful to keep up with. And we try to just do it as conveniently as possible from the rider's standpoint, and that's why community action plays that point of entry for them because there's multiple transportation programs in Wayne County. Worcester does some funding. Wayne County has some funding. And then what Community Action will do is evaluate and see as a Wayne County resident or maybe even a Worcester resident, what transportation program is best for you. And then if there's nothing else specialized, then you, like I said, you fall to Wayne County Transit and you just become a part of the general public who calls and books your rides and we'll get out there and get you where you need to go. Clayton, can you just talk to me a little bit about Title VI? Yeah. Title VI Basically, it's federal law that requires any agency who utilizes federal funds, such as SARTA, to ensure that they are not discriminating certain classes of people. And don't ask me to name them all, but it's things (laughs) like race, national origin, ethnicity, and I know there's a couple more, but that's the idea behind it. And then we have to do certain things as recipient of those funds. Basically, we put together what's called our Title VI program, and that's submitted to the FTA every three years. I'm currently working on our next update now. And it's everything from making sure that we have postings and buses to postings at all the ticket windows. Any place where the, the public might interface with us is going to show that we are compliant. And if you do not feel that we are compliant you can get a hold of us. And there's actually a whole section of the website that discusses it. There's numerous ways to file Title VI complaints. Um, And 
again, that just ensures that as recipients of, of federal funds, we are not discriminating and it puts it out there to the public to hold us accountable if you feel that we did discriminate. And so basically how that process works is everything comes in through customer service. If customer service feels like it fits one of those criteria, and then it'll be sent to me to investigate. And another point of accountability is part of that program that gets submitted every year. And the program, when I say the program and or report, a lot of people use both terms. It's essentially a compilation of policies, procedures, summary of outreach that we've done over the last three years, service standard information. So how often are our buses coming? Where, what areas, what demographics do our routes serve? Things like that. And so in this program is a section devoted just to anything that we found to be uh, a Title VI issue. If a complaint was brought against us, and like I said, it was deemed um, a, a true Title VI violation, we have to summarize that and submit that with that report every three years. To my knowledge, we have not had a Title VI uh, uh, complaint. I know that we have not had one going into this next report that I'm, I'm going to submit at the beginning of next year. Our last three years, we did not have a complaint filed against us either. And so that just goes to show how great our employees are at providing service and doing so in a, a fair way. Wow. So much information. So much information. I want to thank you so much for coming on. You have been a pleasure to talk to today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Glad to come out. Yeah, I want to thank you too, Clayton, as well. I always tell you, I don't really know everything that you do. You've given me some insight into some of the things that you do, and hopefully our viewers and listeners learned a little bit more about some of the behind the scenes stuff that goes on to help all the in front of the scenes stuff that happens, the different roles that various people play in the organization and the kind of standards that we look at to make sure that we're following, being fair, following federal laws and being the best stewards of the money that people give us through their tax dollars. So I think it's been very helpful information for me and everyone else involved. Thank you for listening. That's our show. We'll see you next time on Next Stop.